Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Today's show is CHDs Around the Globe, Italy. I am so excited about today's show. Our guest is someone I've known for almost two decades, but we've never really talked on the phone until we started to get ready for this show. So I am so happy to have Marco Gotti on the show today. Marco Gotti lives in Venaria Reale, a small historical city near Turin, Italy. He earned a degree in medicine in Turin and has practiced family medicine since the fall of 1987. On the same day he got his job as a family physician, he began his love story with Enrica Di Braccio, a superior school teacher who graduated from the same university as Marco. They married on June 10, 1989, and after five years, on the 9th of February, 1994, their son Alessandro was born. Alessandro was given a diagnosis of hypoplastic left heart syndrome in utero at the eighth month of pregnancy during a routine echo examination, and life changed for Enrica and Marco. Alessandro was born in Bologna since Turin had no one doing the Norwood procedure at that time. Alessandro had his first open-heart surgery a few days after birth, and then the Glen a year later, and the Fontan 13 years later. Marco is still working as a family doctor in Vanaria, and Marco is also a published author. He has three novels and a CD with his own songs. His website is www.marcogadi.com. That's M-A-R-C-O-G-A-D-D-I.com. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Marco. Buonasera. Buonasera. Thank you very much, Anna. It's really a great emotion for me to be here because one of the first things I found on the web after Alexandra's birth was really your news group at the time. And I remember we got almost immediately your book, book that we have and we still have I'm so honored that you still have the book. And the book that he is talking about, my friends, is called Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, A Handbook for Parents. 
It's so good to have you on the show, and I'm so happy to have someone from Italy on the show this season. This is the first time for me to have an Italian on the show, Marco. I'm excited, too. So I am very impressed that Alessandro's heart defect was diagnosed in utero. Your family and my family both had a son born the same year, but Alexander, my son, his heart defect was not diagnosed in utero. So can you tell us how you and Enrica reacted to the news that Alessandro would be born with such a severe heart defect? Anna, it was really devastating. We can't forget that 21st December 1993, when a friend of mine, a gynecologist uh, woman, with a special training in ecography, found that uh, she believed that diagnosis could be something like a pathology of fallow. But uh, when we were referred to a pediatric cardiologist, he was very brutal in his words. It's an hypoplasic left heart syndrome, he said. There's no cure. Don't try to have trips... Uh, hope trips around the world searching for a cure because so far surgery has failed to give these babies an opportunity to live. It was like an earthquake for our lives, you understand. My life, Enrica, felt her baby inside her and she wasn't able to accept that there was no cure without trying to do something. So I began to search the scientific literature and I remember that the more I read, the more I felt desperate because at the time the medical community was most in favor to stop and cure after the natural closing of Botalo's doctor a few days after the birth. Every colleague we had kept on repeating the same thing, I remember. We have stopped to make surgery on this baby because they go bad. Until one day, I remember a surgeon from Padua told me there was a guy in Bologna, Dr. Gargiulo, who is trying to begin to treat the babies with the Norwood procedure. And it seems, hear me, it seems, he said, they can do it. So we called immediately him, and he was uh, very kind with us. He told me, I remember so clearly that phone call, he told me, put on your scales, on your palms, uh, on one side, your child's death, and on the other, your our surgeon. Two ways, two paths with the same hardness. So we moved to Bologna to have delivery there, not without a great tension, a great friction between me and my wife. I say a kind of original scene between us because I was very skeptic about the poor promises of the surgery. While my wife really felt that we had to do everything it was possible to save Alessandro's life. Right. Right. I remember getting the same kind of news, Marco, when they told us that Alexander had it. I didn't know when I was pregnant, even though I had ultrasounds, it was not picked up. And they 
pretty much told us there was no hope, just like what you said. So I'm wondering, they told me that only one in four children who had the Norwood procedure would survive to the next surgery. Did they give you any statistics like that? Yes, it was very sad. It was very strange to begin a very great experience like the the birth of a new life in such a sad way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can just imagine how devastated you were. You were able to just pick up and move to Bologna? You were able to get a job there and a home and everything? Bologna is not far from Turin, but anyway... There are 400 kilometers from the Turin. Maybe the same time we spend on the highway to move from our home to the hospital. Really, it was a great luck for us to have found really a great staff of people who took care of Alessandro with the best expertise and love they did. I remember we talked about the feasibility to go outside Italy the United States because at the time and now I think there is the gold standard of cure there but we had not enough time and economical resources to to arrange our trip at the time so we decided to play our game here in Italy in, in Bologna. It's just an amazing story and I can imagine it would be terrifying to think of having to go to a totally different country. So you were actually very lucky that there was a surgeon in Bologna who was doing the surgery. Yes, it was starting. The great thing and the strange thing is that he was starting at the times with the normal procedure. Yeah. It's he was just... trying to do it, yes. And he yes. has success. He did have success. Good. So is, so Alessandro is not the oldest survivor for that surgeon? He's one of the oldest. Yes. Yes. He's one of the oldest. He's one of the... Maybe Alessandro was the third or the fourth child. Dr. Gargiulo operated in Bologna. Yes. That's just amazing. So your son has made history in Italy. Marco, what was the biggest challenge you faced in dealing with healthcare for your wife, Enrica, while she was pregnant with Alessandro? And uh, I remember the days after the diagnosis uh, were terrible, and I remember these days like a nightmare. Enrica was right from a medical point of view. Her pregnancy was good, but we were sad and worried about the future. Sometimes we argued very, very hot about our choice. I asked to myself, and I still do it, if we were right, if we were in the right way to decide for a hard life, for a life so hard for our son. I think that's something that all of us parents struggle with when we're facing the unknown. Both of our children are considered basically pioneers, yours more so than mine, because they had been doing a surgery here in the United States longer than they had been doing it in Italy. And I do think that's something that we struggle with. I guess what I'm wondering is, do you have socialized medicine or how was... Enrica's care paid for. Do you have private insurance? How was that taken care of 20 years ago? 
we have the luck that here in Italy, we have a national sanitary system who is able to cover for all the expenses for the surgery. So the only expenses we had was were to stay there, to rent a room in a residence, to pay for the ordinary living, the meals and the little expenses. But here in Italy, all the sanitary expenses were free from charge. We have not a personal insurance. Oh, okay. Well, then that's very different than what we have here in the United States. Marco, do you think that being a doctor yourself affected your son's care in any way? My personal experience as a doctor gave me the consciousness of the difficulties. It's not easy for a doctor to be the father of a child with so great disease. Because before the birth of Alessandro, I read a lot of articles about his condition, his disease. And I remember that it was devastating for me to read the probability, the, the, the choices, the chance for Alexander to have a good uh, life were very slow at the time. It was. It was. When I was doing research for the book, I cried, Marco. The articles that were available in medical journals did not paint a picture of hope. It looked like most of our children would die and that the ones who did not would not have a good quality of life. It was a scary time back then. Yes, there is another problem, the emotional problem, because I am still the doctor of Alessandro, and it's not easy to have the clear mind, the clear heart, to take care of your son. There is always something that in in some way cancels your ability to be a good doctor, a cold doctor, a professional doctor with your own son. Do you understand me? Absolutely. And that's one of the big difficulties, and yet it's a blessing. It's difficult because you understand better than probably anyone else the severity of his defect, but it's a blessing too because you actually understand what's wrong with your son, whereas I was a teacher of the deaf, and I came at this without any real understanding, Marco. It was terrifying to me because I didn't really understand, so it's kind of funny how it's both a blessing and a curse for you to have as much knowledge as you do about Alessandro heart effect. Yes, yes, yes. I want to tell you a thing. I read on the church that there was a great risk in the first year for uh, intestinal problems in the babies who had the heart surgery. So I spent, I remember that I spent all the year of life of Alessandro waiting for some problem. I spent all the nights nearby Alessandro waiting and hearing for his breath. It was terrible, like a father and like a doctor. Yeah, yeah. You didn't get a chance to just be a daddy. The whole time you were the daddy and the doctor, and that's a huge responsibility. Yes, in fact. Well... That's kind of 
sad note to go to commercial, but I do have to go to a quick commercial. But don't leave yet, listeners, because even though this has been a little bit scary, this is how it was over 20 years ago, friends. And that is why it was so important for Marco and for me to reach out over the internet and find one another, because then we didn't feel quite so alone. And things will get better, because in the second part of our interview, we're going to talk to Marco about the surgeries that Alessandro had and where he ended up having those surgeries and how he's doing. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this brief commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is CHD's Around the Globe, Italy, and we are talking with Marco Gaddi. He is the father to Alessandro, a son born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome 22 years ago. And Marco is talking to us all the way from Veneria Reale, a small historical town near Turin, Italy. So Marco, you said that you actually had Alessandro and your whole family move to Bologna so he would be there for the surgery. So how long was he in the hospital? As I told before, Alessandro had all his three surgeries and the follow-up scheduled visits and examination in Bologna. Bologna is a city at the center of Italy, where is still in follow-up as a Gucci, a grow-up congenital heart disease guy. After his first surgery, Alessandro didn't have great problems. He was lucky with his uh, surgeries. He was uh, and is still a very strong boy. The only problem was uh, with his feeding at the beginning, I remember. But once we found uh, the right milk formula, everything went uh, very well. After two or three weeks, uh, he was uh, transferred to a pediatric unit. And eventually he was discharged after more than a month, half a month, yes. I remember the moment when they gave him into our, our arms, when they gave us our baby, and with a very gentle warning, they said, don't make him cry, please. He's good, but he's quite fragile, like a baby, has an important pathology, an important disease. So we had that baby like a precious crystal to get yeah. their home with a great fear the great anxiety that marked our path, our educational and affective path toward the growing of Alessandro. Yeah, it's so interesting because my son's surgeon did not say anything like that to us. But I've had so many friends who have told me that their children's doctor said, don't let them cry. And I didn't really let Alex cry either. But that's just because that's the kind of mom I am. As soon as I heard 
my heart healthy son Joey cry or Alexandra cry. I always pick them up to comfort them right away. That was just my instinct. But I didn't think it was dangerous. And I think that's what's scary for you and other friends of mine whose surgeons have said, don't let them cry. It makes you so nervous if they start to cry. Is that true? They told us, don't let him cry as possible because obviously a child has his way to say his problems by crying, I understand. But they were very firm in their statement. Please, as possible, try to protect him. Don't let him suffer because his heart is very fragile. So we grew up him with a lot of anxiety, with a lot of fear about his future, about his situations, and maybe transmitted him a great anxiety about his own life. I want to tell you a short story. A few weeks ago, I went to a colleague of mine, a dentist, asking me, what about Alessandro? How is going? Very fine, I answered. But she told me, I remember Alessandro, when on the seat, when she cured him for a little problem, I remember Alessandro when he told me, I don't fear about pain. I fear about death. And it was very hurting for me to hear from a child of eight years old so important and devastating statement. I fear about death. Yes, that would be just a horrible thing to hear your child say. And it just shows that he was able, even though I'm sure you didn't tell him that that was something that you were afraid of, he was able somehow to pick up on the fact that that was very real for him that he could indeed die. And most children never, ever think of that. That's why the second show that I did, Marco, was on post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and survivor's guilt. Because I think that so many people in our heart community, the parents, the survivors, grandparents, I think all of us end up suffering from one or all of those maladies, don't you? Yes, I think so. Yes, I think so. And I still live with this statement. Yes. Yeah. Well, we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, friends, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Marco about how Alessandro is doing today and what his hope for Alessandro's future is. We'll be back right after this commercial. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is CHDs Around the Globe, Italy, and we're talking with Marco Gaddi. Marco is father to Alessandro, a son born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS, 
22 years ago. And Marco is talking to us from a small historical town near Turin, Italy. Well, Marco, both of our sons are about the same age. Your son has already celebrated his birthday this year and is 22, and my son won't be 22 until August. But tell us how your Alessandro is doing health-wise and if you expect him to need more surgery in the future. Alessandro has grown up for a great part of his childhood with a low oxygen saturation. He had a shunt, so he had a cyanosis. And he had physically a very low performance life. And he grew up under our continuous check as very anxious and apprehensive parents. The logical consequence was to develop for him a very freakish, pamper, even tyrannic personality. He was never able to have a normal life and to attend to sports even the lighter ones. As we were lucky with the surgery, we were, on the other hand, unlucky with the consequence in a long-term Fontana surgery. Because while it was put in the right situation to get finally a normal quality of life, he, on the contrary, began to get weight and to become an obese guy. Although we were trying everything to get firmer on his caloric input. Even more yet, another problem, because after one of his catheterism in the follow-up, he had necrosis, an ischemic problem with the head of the right femur, so he had reduced ability to make sports and to move. In, in a further way. Anyway, he developed a great passion for cinema, for films, for reading. He had a good general culture. He had a high school degree in educational sciences. And now he's trying to attend his university study. He's studying history at the university. Now he goes three times a week to the swimming pool, and he has begun to practice uh, a little fitness uh, in the gym, uh, but is uh, still very highly dependent, especially from mommy. He is, has a very tight relationship with his mommy. They are maybe symbiotic. <laughs> in America, we say that they're tied to their mother's apron strings. That's the expression we okay, use. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's the same here. <laughs> Yes, yes, I can understand that. So it sounds like he didn't really get a chance to have a normal childhood where he could do sports. I know football over there is very important, and that was not something he could do. My Alexander also could not play football or soccer or any of those sports that required running back and forth, but my Alex did karate. Your son, it doesn't sound like, could even do something like that? No, 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 no. He refused to get into any activity that in some way get him tired. So he refused sports and even the lighter activities. Yes. Yeah. So what are his sats, Marco? My son's sats after his first Fontan were in the 80s. What are Alessandro's sats, his oxygenation level? 
now is normal. Now it saturates uh, 95, 94. Oh. Yes. It's oh, very the, good. It's great problem. Now, he has two great problems. The first one is his weight, because mm -hmm. he's overweight. And the second problem is late in his puberal... Puberty? Yes. So he has a very obsessive problem about his bird. He is waiting to become a birded man. So every day he looks at the mirror. I'm sorry, I'm not sure I understand. Are you saying his beard? Beard, yes, beard, yes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> My Alexander does not have a good beard either. <laughs> ah, okay. The same problem. <laughs> I don't think it has anything to do with the fontan, but that is so funny. My Alex's beard is a little on the thin side as well, and he is growing a little something. It's kind of like your Alessandro. They want to have a beard. I think that's yes, so funny. Yes, yes, yes. It, it's a great problem for him. <laughs> He's waiting to be a bearded man. Yes. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. But are we lucky that that's the one thing they're concerned about? Don't you feel lucky that he's worried about a beard and not really worried about his heart at this point? Yes, yes, yes. It sounds to me, when he was a baby and a little boy, his oxygen saturation level was low. Yes. But after the Fontan, it was higher. Is that right? Yes, it was right. But by then, oh. he was already obese. Yes, after the Fontaine procedure, his saturation quickly returned to normality. And his quality of life returned to be very good. Okay, but he didn't have his Fontaine until he was 13 years old, is that right? Yes, because in Bologna, they followed the French surgical school. So they thought that it was better to wait for the Fontaine to gain time and to prevent the possible bad evolution of the situation of hypoplastic left heart syndrome that ends in the heart transplant. So they thought that it was better to wait, to wait until the puberal age. So they called us for the surgery when Alessandro was 13, 14 years old. Wow, I can't believe he made it that many years because my Alexander, his saturation level became so low that he had his Fontan before he was one. He was only before? 10 months old. Oh, and the second he never, the Glen? At what time? No, he never had the Glen. They went to do ah. the Glen, and they decided that they needed to go ahead and do the Fontan. So they did a complete Fontan. They did a fenestrated Fontan at 10 months. So I can't imagine being 13 years old before having the Fontan. That's just amazing to me. Yes, it was very hard for us to wait all the time. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> Yeah, I can. That seems really scary. Now, are you expecting him to need more surgery? Because my Alex has had to have his Fontan revised. He had his Fontan at 10 months, and then at 17 years old, he had to have his Fontan redone. How does your Alessandro look 
as far as the doctors, are they thinking they may need to do more surgery in the future? In the future, we think that the only solution for Alessandro will be a transplant. And I don't know how to make it after three surgeries in his heart. But I think, and our cardiologist think that the only possible solution will be a transplant. So we live every day for every day, and we wait, mm-hmm. and we take the, the most and the best every day. I love that. You have to appreciate each and every day and celebrate it as a gift. It is like a gift of life. And you really can't worry about what tomorrow will bring because none of us has a crystal ball. None of us knows what tomorrow will bring. Well, can you tell me what advice you would give to other parents of children in Italy who have discovered in utero they will have a baby with a heart defect or maybe after birth they have been told their baby has a heart defect? Yes, today your diagnosis has gained so high quality that almost the most serious heart defects are diagnosed earlier during pregnancy. So many couples decide to not keep on. In my personal opinion, I think that a baby with a severe heart disease is a great gift, but a great struggle for a couple. And that is very hard to keep, to maintain during the time, the strength to cope with a life that surely you know, I think that you understand, is very difficult. It's not easy, but it's worthwhile. It's like a life climbing every day on a hill, but on the hill there is anyway a great view. There is a great view. Yes, we get to see the sunshine. We get to see the sun rises and the sun sets. And yes, it is a challenge, but I know I wouldn't trade it for anything. It sounds to me like you wouldn't either. Isn't that true, Marco? Sometimes Alessandro talks about his future, about his life, and sometimes he's happy, sometimes he's not. And I don't know. The future will tell us the right answer. Well, I'm so happy that he has beaten the odds because, as we know, many children that were born when our boys were born didn't make it. And I'm so glad that we have these stories that we can share with our boys. I hope we have a chance to talk more in the future and to share more photos. I can't wait to see all the photos that you send. And for the listeners who are on Blog Talk Radio, I'll be putting all of the photos that Marco sends me in a slideshow. Well, Marco, we are out of time, my dear. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your experiences with us. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Thank you for having me in the show. Hugs to everyone and greetings from Italy. Ciao. Ciao. Well, that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time for a brand new episode. Please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. We know that congenital heart defects touch people all over the globe. But remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.